TUC Radio, Time of Useful Consciousness. British Home Secretary Priti Patel signs an order to extradite Julian Assange to the U.S. Comments by George Galloway, Ambassador Craig Murray, Glenn Greenwald, and Assange's attorney and wife, Stella Morris. Julian Assange is an Australian editor, publisher, and activist. He co-founded WikiLeaks in 2006. WikiLeaks came to international attention in 2010 when it published material provided by the U.S. Army intelligence analyst, Chelsea Manning. The material included the Baghdad airstrike collateral murder video from April 2010, the Afghanistan and Iraq war logs, and more, all containing evidence of war crimes. Julian Assange is currently held in the high-security Belmarsh prison in the UK, pending extradition to the US. Here's Glenn Greenwald. Hey everyone, this is Glenn Greenwald. Welcome to a new and special episode of System Update here in our home on Rumble here in Brazil, where I'm speaking from, the country commemorated National Press Freedom Day. And the way many people focused on the ethos behind this day, namely insisting upon and defending basic press freedoms, was by discussing and focusing on and engaging in activism around what I would argue is the single gravest threat to press freedom in the West, which is the ongoing persecution by the American and British governments of Julian Assange, arguably the greatest and most pioneering and most influential journalist of his generation, who precisely because his journalism has revealed so many incriminating secrets about the U.S. security state and the British military machine, is currently in his fourth year in a high security prison in the U.K., on top of the seven years that he was forced to stay in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, where he sought asylum from U.S. persecution on the grounds that if he were to be turned over to Sweden, they would then hand him over to the United States to prosecute him for national security crimes, something which got vindicated, a fear that got vindicated when the United States, in fact, unveiled an indictment against Assange under the Espionage Act of 1917, which would really make him the first ever journalist prosecuted under this 100 plus year old law that was under Woodrow Wilson intended to criminalize dissent of the U.S. participation in World War One. It's an incredibly repressive law. It has very strict liability. It's virtually impossible to win. It doesn't afford a fair trial. And so Assange has understandably been attempting to avoid being extradited to the United States, a country, by the way, in which of which he is not a citizen, in which he has never lived, where he has barely stepped foot in except for one or two occasions of a couple of days. And the United States apparently believes it has the right to ship him to the United States and stand trial and face life in prison for the crime of reporting on its secrets after he has already spent essentially effectively 10 plus years in prison, seven years in asylum, and now three plus years in a high security British prison that the BBC in 2004 called uh, the UK's Guantanamo or the British uh, Guantanamo. So it's an incredibly dire situation for him. The physicians and uh, psychiatrists who have been treating him have warned 
that he has often been on the verge of severe physical and psychological collapse, that it's unlikely he could even withstand being sent to the United States to be trialed, let alone in prison. And yet the British courts, after an initial ruling in his favor, have overturned that and have continuously ruled in favor of the government. That was Glenn Greenwald on June 11, 2022. Here next is George Galloway with his June 19 conversation with Ambassador Craig Murray. Galloway is a British politician and broadcaster. He was a member of parliament between 1987 and 2015. And he's host of the mother of all talk shows. Craig Murray is a Scottish author, human rights campaigner, journalist, and former diplomat. As ambassador to Uzbekistan, he exposed human rights violations by that government and was fired by the British Foreign Office. George Galloway. The Honourable Craig Murray joins me now on the line on the subject of uh, Julian Assange. Uh, Craig, as always, a warm welcome. I suppose it was to be expected that Priti Patel would decide as she did. What happens next? Yeah, I think it would have been um, an astonishing shock if uh, Priti Patel had suddenly uh, exhibited any interest in freedom of speech or in any other kind of freedom. What happens next is we now get to appeal to the High Court on all the major issues. What happened previously, of course, was in the magistrate's court, the magistrate ruled against extradition on health grounds and on grounds of the petitions in American prisons. And the High Court heard an appeal by the United States against her ruling, which and the High Court ruled in favor of the United States. But that High Court hearing was therefore only on, on health and prison conditions. Now, what happens is that Julian gets to appeal on all the other issues, which are the major issues, on freedom of speech, on the freedom of journalists to publish, and on the bar on political extradition in the UK-US extradition treaty. So now we get to take all those issues to the, to the High Court. Turning to the uh, press freedom issue, your friend and mine, Kit Clarenberg, poses the questions very brilliantly today. If Julian Assange has committed a crime worthy of this extradition and the potential 175 years in jail, why not The Guardian and The New York Times and the other uh, major uh, media houses that published the dripping roast of Julian Assange's uh, revelations. That is exactly right. You know, this is an astonishingly selective prosecution because many, in fact, all really of the major mainstream media published the revelations by Chelsea Manning for which uh, Julian Assange is being prosecuted. And, and Julian Assange, of course, wasn't the leaker. He was merely a, a journalist and publisher. And this is a terrible precedent. Of course, the argument is that this is a terrible precedent and effect to all journalists. And that we should remember, of course, Julian Assange was nowhere near the United States when he published. And Julian Assange is not an American 
citizen. You know, this is somebody with no connection to the United States publishing outside of the United States. So if this goes ahead, no journalist anywhere uh, is safe potentially from, from American prosecution. But the truth of the matter is also, of course, that you know, this is very, very selective prosecution. And this is the United States going after somebody it considers an enemy, whereas it's never in fact, in, in current circumstances, going to go after the editor of, of the New York Times or the Washington Post or outfits which generally speaking, uh, happily tow uh, the neoliberal line. And of course, which do so now much more consistently than they perhaps did back at the time when these revelations were published more than 10 years ago. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting fact uh, revealed, uh, to me at least, by Kit Clarenberg's piece this morning, that in fact The Guardian published these revelations before Julian Assange and WikiLeaks did, because WikiLeaks, through the night, were busily redacting names of people in the documents so that they would not personally be endangered by the revelations. And so uh, the Guardian actually published this material first. And yet not only are they not facing prosecution, some of the people in the Guardian <coughs> have done their very best to so destroy Julian Assange and his uh, credibility and standing amongst their readers, that they actually played a part in where we are today. That is undoubtedly true. And it was a big problem for WikiLeaks that when they were trying to go through the vast quantity of material revealed by Chelsea Manning, which required them to have other partners assist them in doing it because just of the sheer amount of vetting that had to be done, the Guardian in particular, were relentlessly pushing them not to be so cautious and to get on because the Guardian wanted the scoop and the Guardian wanted the scoop in order to make money. I mean, it shouldn't be forgotten, WikiLeaks doesn't make money out of this. The Guardian does. Uh, you know, the, the Guardian was doing it purely with financial motives and seeing this as a great newspaper selling story. And it was, of course, the release of the unredacted material came when two Guardian journalists, David Lee and Luke Harding, published the password to crack the unredacted material in a book, as a joke. As a joke, they made the password to crack the unredacted material the chapter heading of a book. They thought that was jolly amusing in their kind of schoolboy japes manner and claimed to have been shocked that anybody worked out that that chapter heading was the password. So the, the Guardian's very culpable in this. The Guardian, of course, nowadays is, is a very reliable mouthpiece for the security services, as we see again today with the, uh, its sister paper, The Observer, printing uh, a quite ludicrous further attack on people who query the official narrative in Syria. And sadly, the, the, the sheer amount of hypocrisy surrounding the Assange case is, is is one of the dreadful things about it. Now, what about the fact that uh, you and me and much more importantly, Julian's lawyers were being spied upon illegally in the Ecuador embassy? And this has given rise to a criminal uh, case in Madrid 
uh, to which you, at least, will be giving evidence. You were unable to do so earlier, but are now free to do so. Tell us uh, what might come out of that, and will that come up in the appeal? It certainly will come up in the appeal. It was dismissed effectively as irrelevant by the magistrate, who didn't seem to think that the fact that the country requesting extradition was spying on Julian, spying on his lawyers, um, and seeking to kidnap and murder him, should be a relevant factor in extraditing him to the very people doing that. That will again be tested in, in the High Court. It is astonishing to me, as you quite rightly said, in any other case, if one side of the case is spying on the lawyers and the legal papers of the other side, the case would be chucked out by any judge, pretty well any jurisdiction in the entire world. But that hasn't happened in this case is, is gobsmacking. It, it, it's amazing. And remember, it's not only the case of that spying in the embassy. They also were following the lawyers. They were burgling the lawyers' offices. And on top of which, when Julian was eventually removed from the Ecuadorian embassy, uh, his papers were taken to Quito by the Ecuadorians, so that all his legal papers, all his legal documents, were handed over to the CIA, uh, as was admitted in court in his extradition hearing. So not, not only did they spy on all his legal conferences, they have all his legal papers. And for one side of a case to have all the legal papers of the other side of the case, it's simply unprecedented. Uh, it, it is just unbelievable that, that that has not stopped the case. Can we take the last of those, uh, mainly because I was myself involved in it as a member of parliament at the time, I was given an assurance by the then Home Secretary, David Blunkett, that a case like Julian Assange's, which was a mere hypothesis of mine at the time, would not lead to extradition. He said on the face of this bill, on the face of this treaty, it precludes extraditing people for political offences. I must confess I was so naive I went away largely satisfied by him. Yet I now discover that the claim is that there is no such disbarment. Enlighten us. Well, the disbarment definitely exists. I mean, Article 4 of the treaty says very plainly there can be no political extradition. But what the magistrate ruled um, and what is very important in other contexts of what is happening here is that a treaty has no binding force and that in effect international law does not have any force in the United Kingdom unless it's incorporated into domestic legislation. And as the Extradition Act of 2003 does not include a bar on political extradition. Therefore, the bar in the treaty itself has no force. Now, this is quite astonishing because the treaty itself is the treaty under the terms of which the extradition is taking place. So to say that the terms of that treaty has no force, of course, makes no sense. But it's a line being taken in general by the UK courts. Uh, so far, the high courts ruling has been that, for example, it doesn't matter what it says in the Refugee Convention, that according to the Refugee Convention, it would be illegal to deport uh, refugees to Rwanda, 
that is not incorporated in UK law. So no matter what treaty we've signed, uh, the UK is not bound by anything it has signed. Uh, this is a very strange argument from a kind of imperialist exceptionalism. Uh, and why anybody should trust the UK in any international deal when the courts are ruling but no international deal the UK has signed up to has any effect in UK law is extraordinary to me. But, but that is the argument. So, of course, the appeal will uh, grind exceeding slow. Uh, but that means that Julian will continue to die a little every day in Belmarsh prison, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, we're extremely worried about his uh, health. And you know, there has been a very, very plain deterioration, both physically and mentally. And there comes a point where you worry about whether, on his release, whether that is reversible or not. And you know, keeping him in effectively close to solitary confinement uh, in circumstances in precisely the same regime as the most dangerous convicted terrorists in the country, uh, when he's just a journalist and publisher, is something which, again, is indefensible. You know, there, there is no need for it whatsoever. Quite so. And finally, the new Australian government, uh, Craig, have we any reason to be optimistic that they will take a more proactive uh, role? Well, I mean, they are generally less objectionable uh, than the last Australian government, but at the moment, there's no sign of there being any lesser US puppet. Um, but I think the public opinion among the supporters of the new Australian government is quite firmly uh, in favour of Julian. So, so let's hope we can work something through in, in that way. Honourable Craig Murray, thanks as always for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. Craig Murray, former British ambassador to Uzbekistan. That was talk show host and politician George Galloway thanking Craig Murray, Scottish author, human rights campaigner and journalist. And now comments by Stella Assange, a.k.a. Stella Morris. As an established lawyer and expert in international law, she had been hired in 2011 as part of Assange's legal team. They began a relationship and have two sons. She kept their father's identity secret for years to protect them. The couple got married in March 2022 at Belmarsh Prison. Glenn Greenwald set up the conversation between Stella Assange and his husband, David Miranda. Miranda is a Brazilian politician and federal congressman, representing the state of Rio de Janeiro since February 2019. Here's Glenn Greenwald. So my husband, David Miranda, who is a member of the Brazilian Congress, yesterday as part of this Brazilian Defense of International Freedom interviewed the British human rights lawyer and the wife of Julian Assange, Stella Assange. As I said, in Brazil, the Assange case has become extremely prominent with politicians across the political spectrum heralding him as a hero because so many of his revelations taught many countries around the world, including in Latin America, the corrupt acts that their government was doing, that the United States government was doing 
to them. And so he's cons widely considered a hero in many places. Western journalists in the US and the UK love to declare themselves victims over things like receiving mean tweets or being criticized. This is real persecution. And so I really hope that uh, you will enjoy this interview. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Stella, for being with us here tonight to talk about like the situation with Assange. It's really uh, frustrating and outrageous what we have seen, what it has been done over the decade, actually, to Assange, especially because he's a, a journalist who put his life in danger and exposed all the wrongdoing of the US government. So can we start with that? Thank you for being here with us tonight again. Well, thank you so much for having me. You're right. Uh, the Trump administration and the Biden administration have started something that is extremely uh, dangerous to world press freedom through this prosecution. And if you think back to the publications that Julian's being prosecuted over, they're about Iraq and Afghanistan, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, about Guantanamo Bay and the torture that uh, uh, has been occurring there for 20 years, and also the State Department cables, and a video of a war crime, which uh, WikiLeaks dubbed collateral murder. So this is the, the material that Julian is being imprisoned for currently without conviction. He's awaiting extradition to face trial for the publication of this information, which is of extraordinary importance. When this material was published in 2010 and 2011, the world said, oh no, it's impossible that the US would prosecute Assange over this material. It's too important. Everyone can see that it's in the public interest. It reveals war crimes. It reveals gross human rights abuses and so on. And what's happened in the past 12 years? Well, we've collectively, the world has gone down an extremely dangerous track. And we're in a much worse position in terms of press freedoms, not just because of what's happened in the interim, but precisely because of this prosecution, which is setting a new precedent. It is setting a new standard by which the United States, which has historically presented itself as the strongest defender of press freedom and in fact has the gold standard of press freedom protections uh, formally in the world, has now set out to undermine those protections with an outrageous prosecution using a piece of legislation from 1917, which was enacted during the First World War, in order to go after a foreign journalist publishing abroad publishing about US crimes. And this is such a high profile case that if they can go after Julian, they can go after anyone at all. And the world is watching in the sense that I'm not, I, I'm not just talking about you know, the public and, and uh, the outraged observers and journalists who are afraid for, for their future and, and liberty. I'm talking about oppressive governments who are taking note and seeing this as well uh, licensed to do exactly the same with their dissidents, with their journalists. So it's a race to the bottom now. Well, it's extremely important that there are these uh, vocal shows of support 
for Julian. And I must say that there's, there's more and more. And it's incredibly important for there to be a, a growing clamor for his freedom because the, the case is political. And the forces that have been able to get the upper hand and bring this outrageous case have to be pushed against in order for Julian to be freed. And there's just no two ways about it. The, the case is uh, legally outrageous. Mm -hmm. uh, as I said, Julian's an Australian citizen. He's not American. He wasn't in the United States. The only connection he has with the United States is that he was exposing U.S. crimes. So it's incredibly important that politicians around the world are having the bravery to express their outrage at this uh, prosecution, of, uh, at what the U.S. is advancing, because it's incredibly dangerous. Even in Europe, I must say that the uh, well, the UN has been uh, vocal about this the special rapporteur on torture, the working group on arbitrary detention, but also the Council of Europe Human Rights Commissioner has written to the Home Secretary of the United Kingdom, saying, "Do not extradite Assange," mm -hmm. and uh, also the uh, Commissioner for Freedom of Expression of the OSCE. These are, you know, these are uh, very uh, establishment institutions, uh, which are totally opposed to this prosecution, this extradition. So the more vocal expression there is, the greater the growing consensus that this is a, an international outrage. It brings Julian one step closer uh, to freedom. Uh, thank you for that. Do you see any difference from the Trump administration to the Biden administration right now? Look, I think in each of the administrations, the prosecution of Julian has been uh, highly contested internally in the administration issue. So with the Obama administration, we know that they were looking whether they should prosecute him and they decided not to. And Obama, in fact, commuted Chelsea Manning's sentence. You know, that was a clear political signal. Do not prosecute Assange and mm. commute Chelsea Manning's um, sentence. So Chelsea Manning was freed at the end of the Obama administration. Then mm. Trump came in with a very antagonistic relationship with the press and leaks were you know, constant during the Trump administration. He basically took on, took the Obama war on leaks uh, up a level and uh, so wanted to set a precedent by going after the press. And he did that uh, through the prosecution of Julian. And that was, you know, especially instigated by the CIA's wrath over mm -hmm. WikiLeaks publication of Vault 7. You know, there's even reports about conversation between the FBI head, James Comey and, and Donald Trump saying, well, we need to prosecute journalists, we need a head on a pike. And Julian is that head on a pike. So with the Biden administration, look, Biden was part of Obama's administration. I'm, you know, I know there is a, a lot of internal disagreement. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's an oppor opportunity. And that's reason for hope. That's reason um, to, to keep repeating uh, the message and, and being louder and louder and, and getting more and more allies on side calling for this to end. That was part of an interview between Stella Assange, a.k.a. Stella Morris, 
and Brazilian politician David Miranda. Stella Assange is an international lawyer and wife of Julian Assange. They have two children. This interview ran on June 11, 2022, on System Update, a program hosted by journalist, author, and lawyer Glenn Greenwald. You can hear the full episodes on George Galloway's Mother of All Talk Shows, number 161, and the June 11, 2022 segment of System Update on Rumble. My name is Maria Gelarden. Thank you for listening. <laughs>